Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, an assistant pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. Today on Great Commission Conversations, I continue my interview with a veteran missionary to China. Brother Greg and I discuss at some length the growing antagonism of the communist state toward the church and the threat of deportation that hangs over the head of so many foreign workers preaching the gospel in China. But first we pick up where we left off previously as Greg relates some of the history behind the three self-government church. With that introduction, here's part two and the conclusion of my conversation with Brother Greg on ministering in China. The Three Self Church was started when the Communist Party took over in 1949. They took over in 1949, and there was a he wasn't he was the second man in power, Zhou Enlai, and he got together with a liberalistic, very liberal minister, and he went, who was a liberal theology. In other words, they didn't liberal theology. They didn't believe the Bible literally. Didn't believe in the resurrection, but they were Christian in name. And he got together with him, and he and he set up uh, the Three Self Church. And at that time, in the early 1950s, there was a Chinese pastor named Wang Mingdao. And Wang Mingdao had a good church in Beijing, and a lot of Chinese pastors at that time looked up to Wang Mingdao. And the Three Self, the government Three Self Church at that time was giving him a lot of pressure to join them, and they were saying. Well, you know, if you love our country, you know, you support us. He's, and he said, "I love our country, but I'm like, your faith and our faith are not the same." And he had a long, he had a, he wrote lots of articles about this, explaining you believe in you believe uh, that the word was made flesh. You agree with that, but you don't believe that God was manifest in the flesh. And that's why he says, "Just you guys don't believe what we believe. We believe the Bible." You don't believe the Bible, and they would coerce. They tried to coerce him into joining them because they knew if he would join them, then a lot of other Chinese pastors would follow him. Eventually, eventually they realized they couldn't coerce. Also, they said, "Look, during the Japanese War, the 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 Japanese War, you World War Two, you 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 helped the Japanese." He said, "I didn't help the Japanese. I was against them. I just did what I was kept. I kept on doing what I had to do." And they were using different angles. Eventually, eventually, because they couldn't coerce him, they just threw him in jail. And that's how and that's how it works. They go by coercion. They try to entice you, and eventually, when they figure out they can't entice you, then they come up with a, another means where they just use a heavy hand. Well, the church in China has been suffering at the hands of the communist government, as you say, since 1949. But it appears that the communist government presently is sort of strengthening its grip. It's it's reinforcing its social controls over the populace. President Xi recently was pronounced president for life, so the country, politically speaking, is becoming even more autocratic. And this has some implications for missions work in the country, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But But just at the most basic level, what do you feel like is the spiritual atmosphere in the country, like on the street with the common with the common people? How do you perceive the receptivity of of the average Chinese citizen 
to the gospel? I think uh, it's less now than it was maybe 10 years ago. But there is receptivity now, but there's also a sense of the political atmosphere does affect how people feel, um, how people, the receptivity, I should say. Um, Also, the prosperity, China's prosperity has affected things as well. Um, There's a lot of folks who would probably love to talk about, or maybe they would come to church ordinarily, but because the political reins are tightening up in every aspect of life, it's hard for foreigners, especially Americans, to grasp this. The political indoctrination is in the schools, is in the workplace, is in every as it's in the hospitals, it's everywhere. And and so as a result, it creates an unseen pressure, an unseen presence that that can be felt. With with this and with this growing antagonism that the state has toward Christianity as as its communistic principles are are reinforced and bolstered under President Xi's uh, leadership, how has that affected you personally as a foreigner living in the country? Do you do you see a change at all in the way that uh, Chinese citizens relate to you as as an American expat living in China? No, not to me personally. But in general, uh, because uh, usually these things are these things are affected by law. They they create laws, and so the so since since 2012, things have been getting tighter and more constrained. And uh, as my own personal experiences, you can just feel that the tension can be felt because they come out with these new laws. The laws are designed in a way to bolster the power and authority of the party. And as a result of this, um, there's less people, for example, there's, there's in the past, there are some people who would have come out to church and probably gotten saved. Many people, I've witnessed to many people who said, you know what, I want to believe this, but I can't because, because of my job, because of this, 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 this. And um, in, in reality, that's just an excuse. I understand that. But because of the laws, people are more apprehensive. And as far as me witnessing personally, the political situation creates an environment that it just kind of permeates things. As far as me personally experiencing, experiencing this, it just takes longer to deal with somebody and the longer you just have to get to know them over a m- longer period of time. In our church, there was a, a couple getting married. They asked me if I would perform their marriage. And, he said, but, and they said, I said, oh, well, um, yeah, let me think about it. And, but, and they said, oh, yeah, uh, because, because of his work, the groom's work, he's going to have some folks come out to the marriage who work, who were, work for the government. And I... I prayed about it and I thought about it and I said, no, normally in the past, I probably would have uh, done their marriage for them, but, but not now, not now. And same with a funeral in the past. I've done funerals, but not now. It's just, it's just too, now I won't do it. I let the other brothers do it. 
That's related to a question that I wanted to ask you about the entirety of your time there in China. I guess this is even a more pressing question as things have tightened up since around 2012 up to the present. There's always been a certain threat to you as a missionary. Obviously, you're not you're not there on a missionary visa. There is no such thing in China. It's not legal for you to do mission work in the country. And so if you're if you're caught in that capacity, maybe a slap on the wrist, but potentially deportation, which is not something that you, you don't want to bring about the end of your ministry prematurely through that. So how have you balanced boldness to be a witness for Jesus Christ and 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 along with discretion in ministering the gospel to the Chinese people so that you don't bring undue attention to yourself? That's that's got to be a tightrope at times. Very much a tightrope, and it's uh, something that um, I it's something I deal with almost on a daily basis, daily basis, because the devil will really use this fear. I have lost many opportunities to witness because out of fear, and how it works is how it works is you have to be prudent. And you have to use wisdom. And the Bible says, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. And the idea is the idea is use some wisdom and prudence, but add, but keep, you know, be bold for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. All I can say is it's it's a balancing act. And sometimes you get off balance. And sometimes even you get off balance and you fall and you have to get back up on that rope. In the past, I've witnessed to a guy an army soldier. At that time, I was connected to somebody else's work, so I was concerned about messing up their work. But that army soldier, and all these things started going through my mind. He started asking me questions and um, about the Bible and about, you know, and I answered his questions, but, you know, I probably could have gone, made a lot more headway with him if I wasn't paralyzed with fear. And it's not fear of um, it's not fear of man. It was, it was the fear the devil will get in there and use something that's good and just twist it. I was afraid I would influence another brother's work. I was afraid all these things are in back of your mind, and as a result, um, um, I was afraid that oh maybe this guy was a spy that he's just he wasn't serious. And I look back now, I said, you're nuts. You're nuts. That's something to, and all I can say is it's um, something that has to be prayed about and something you have to stay in the Bible to keep your equilibrium. If you don't stay in the Bible and stay in prayer and try to, and, and stay in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it, it's, e- it's easy to get off this equilibrium and become too far one way or the other. You can't, there's some folks I know who who's thrown caution to the wind and say, "Well, this is I'm going to preach the gospel," and this is, you know, well, they're not there. They're literally not there now. And then if you go the other way, you be overly cautious, then then you'll never get anything done, and you just lose opportunities that God presents in front of your face, and then it puts in front of your in front of you in daily life. You lose those opportunities. 
I appreciate you answering the the that so honestly and and describing the the challenge that it is to maintain that balance. I did want to ask you about some of the brethren that, as you say, sort of throw caution to the wind because I do know that there are there are missionaries that I'm familiar with that are putting all of their information online. They're building websites. They're writing blogs. They're they're posting media, media, and even social media video with where, where, where they're identified and things that they hope are going to be circulated in in China, and in some cases, organizing uh, public evangelism where they're where they're getting in some cases Westerners that are visiting to pass out literature on the streets, and and some of these things that uh, probably for a for a long term missionary like yourself. Are, would be perceived as being rather rather indiscreet. Do you feel like that more careless approach to ministry, I, I hope that's not an unfair way of describing it, but do you feel like that approach to ministry has sometimes invited unnecessary scrutiny and perhaps even persecution, uh, which has then affected um, folks like yourself that maybe have a better balance on it or are not trying to be so in your face so as to invite government scrutiny and interference yeah maybe in the long run if if the in if the wrong people see the website or they see these things or yeah it can invite trouble it can invite all i can say is if it hasn't invite invited trouble up to up till now that doesn't mean it won't invite trouble invite trouble so all i can say is um i don't i don't understand the I don't. I honestly don't see the logic behind, especially having the English webs. It's one thing if you're ministering to Chinese, so you set up a, a Chinese website, and and that sort of thing. And that China set up a Chinese website, but it doesn't link. The website cannot be linked to you personally, it, but or your whatever you're doing, whatever your local church, whatever it can't be linked or some specific believers in China can't be linked to them personally. Okay. But I don't understand the logic behind setting up a website that's in English. And the only thing I could think of is for, so folks here who are giving money towards missions will give more money. And I don't think it's a wise idea. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of, it's one thing to set up, okay, I'm going to make a video. I'm going to send it out to various churches who are interested to show them what's going on. Okay, but to set it up on the Internet where the entire world can see is is, is a unwise thing. And that has always been in the back of my mind whenever, I, like I said, I, also, I, I mentioned this, a time when I first got to China and I had the opportunity to witness several times and, and just that, the wrong spirit got a hold of me. It's that spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but but sometimes the devil gets in there and uses that. And um, and I've just the whole the the reason I was I was afraid of affecting somebody else's work. The one thing you do not challenge the authority of the Chinese government, especially the Communist Party. You challenge their authority, they will take you up for the challenge. And, um, and it's, it's just not a, if you flaunt whatever you're doing, 
you're inviting trouble. Maybe the trouble hasn't come. And praise the Lord, it hasn't come. Hopefully the Lord will continue to bless and protect. And okay. And maybe it's just a lack of faith on my part. I don't know. I haven't figured it all out. Maybe it is a lack of faith on my part. I don't, but I've, I, I don't think it's a good idea to challenge them. Well, when we here in the West read a magazine article, say, in The Voice of the Martyrs or catch some news story, um, you know, from, from some news outlet about a church being bulldozed or believers being imprisoned, uh, these things are happening. Um, yes. I don't know how widespread that, that kind of thing has been in years past. I, I think that the likelihood of those things happening are, are maybe increasing um, as, as the, it seems like the state and the party is, is even more and more antagonistic toward yes. Christianity as, as communism tightens it, its grip on the, on the country. But what, what would it take for you to get your – I mean, what does it take for a church to get their building bulldozed, or what does it take for an in, for a, for a Christian to get to get imprisoned? Do you think sometimes over the years that you've been there, do you think sometimes these things uh, are sensationalized? Do you think sometimes um, the indiscretion of certain believers maybe maybe invites some some of that kind of persecution? Yes, everything everything you mentioned. Yes, very true. Also, to keep in mind that Western media. Um, will also, like you said, sensationalize some things and use these things for their own ideology or their own uh, agenda. I remember seeing, a little off subject here, but I'll get back to it. I remember seeing a while back, a few years back in in Tibet, there were some some problems with Tibet and the Chinese authorities sent a lot of police down there to shut down some rioting that was going down there, that was going on down there. And uh, there was a, I saw a news caption, that, a news caption, and they, and they showed a policeman beating, beating some Tibetan monk or something like that. It, it was some protesters there. Well, in this same picture, they had cut out, the Western media had cut out the other half of the picture. And what it showed was Tibetan protesters throwing rocks at the police. So, and they, and they, so you're only left with half, a half truth. As far as the churches, um, there are a lot, if, if there's a church building in China, it's illegal. It's Ill, you're inviting trouble. You're flaunting that in the government's face. You say, we're meeting here. We've always met here. And we're going, what are you going to do about it? And you're, you're just inviting trouble. And again, I would, I would say this, a lot of those "Quote unquote church buildings, the people attend them. They they're eighty, ninety. If some of them a hundred percent, they're nominal Christians. They're not. They're in Christian in name only. It's a religion. So, so without without their cross, without the the cross that's on the church building, they just they're just they're just they feel it's it's sacrilege. In Beijing, there was a big international church." And uh, I don't agree with all their doctrines, and a lot of things I don't agree with them. Um, but anyway, they were an international. They had a Chinese pastor, and there's uh, several big churches in in the country, a couple down south. Anyway, they those pastors got together. They wrote the government a letter 
saying, we don't oppose you. We, we want to support you. We just, we just want to the freedom to meet and meet together as Christians together. We support you. We don't, we're not saying anything against you. Those were Chinese men who did that. And they ought to know better because when you do that, as sincere as they were, you're challenging the, 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 the party. You're challenging them when you do that. Maybe they were able to meet before that, but once they wrote that letter, then they, then they said, okay, now that you wrote this letter, we have to deal with you. I don't know sure. if I'm... Con- yeah, now it's on the map. Now, now it's on exactly. the radar, and it's out there in the public, and their very presence as an unregistered church presents an affront to the Communist Party. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and there's a lot of folks who they think, and, and it also has to do with their biblical doctrine as well. Some of them are believe they can bring in the kingdom and, and it, it has, it has to, it's related to that as well. Our church here supports a number of missionaries in China. And in the last year, each of them have been under greater government scrutiny, and and several of them have had their meetings actually broken up or threatened, and and some of them, and I'm talking about men that are not they're they're not sensationalizing the the, the reports. They've been there for mm-hmm. a, a lengthy period of time, but things it does appear that things are are, are changing in the country and the um, the the government that the antagonism is on the rise. So I'm wondering what, what has been your personal experience um, with, with your own church and have you had to deal with the authorities trying to show up and and sit in on the, on the services? And have you been, have you been questioned about your meetings or uh, have you encountered any of this so far? Well, we try to take as much precautions as we can. The, the, where we meet, we soundproof the walls, and we try to become friendly with the immediate neighbors, so they at least know who we are and know we're not some kind of cult. We know we're somewhat that we're friendly people, and if they have any problems, they can always come find us. And we try to use God gave us a brain. We, we try to use it, and we trust the Lord, but we also use brain that God give us. And we try to take as much precaution as possible. But with that said, um, yeah, things are tightening up everywhere. Thankfully, we're in a small city. By Chinese standards, it's a small city. And so things in the past up till now have been rather loose there. And my personal experience um, recently, uh, within the past couple of years, uh, there's a someone who was coming out to our church uh, that a, another sister brought out. I'm not sure if he's saved. I tried to pinpoint him on his salvation testimony. He can never give me a clear test class testimony. Anyway, eventually he came, brought his wife, and I said, "Oh, that's it's a great thing. He brought his wife." But a few a couple months before he brought his wife, I remember I was called down to the office of someone. Uh, of a police of a policewoman, uh, because my visa my visa was uh, had to be changed over, and he, she just said, "Look, you're here as this type of visa. We need you to change over to this type of visa because of what you're because uh, you're working here." I said, "Okay, no problem. We'll, we'll change it over." And she was the policewoman in charge of everyone, and 
couple couple months later, this this man he brought his wife. Thought she kind of looked familiar, but I didn't think anything of it. And then after the service, my wife says, "And you know who this is?" I said, "No, this is the police woman that we met." And we said all said hello, and it was very awkward. It was awkward for the police woman. It was awkward awkward for myself and my wife. We didn't know what to say. This was after the service. I think it was going back in my mind. Did I say anything I shouldn't have said? <laughs> and later on, we had dinner with her. And got to know her a little bit, and she says, "You know, I could have, uh, I could have, uh, I could deal with you. I could have, I could enforce the law with you." I said, "Yes, I know." She says, uh, "You just don't go anywhere else. You just stay right, stay right there. You don't go anywhere else. Stay right there." And what I'm saying, I say all that. That's the local. That's the local folks. It's impossible to to stay incognito. Eventually, they'll know what you're there doing. So sometimes, if you're not causing trouble and flaunting and inviting trouble, they'll just turn a blind eye. But it, but uh, and they'll keep let you go on, as long as you don't give them trouble. But and that's if you have a good relationship with the local authorities. Once the local authorities receive um, orders from above, they have to carry out their orders. And so we were warned indirectly. That if we were meeting, and if we were involved in any kind of religious activity, and if this, 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 and if this, this, that, don't do it because if this, this, this happens, they would be unable to help us because it would be the equivalent of the Chinese FBI, the Anshinju,、uh, which is like the Chinese FBI, which is independent of local、uh, police. So they would they would they would do something. They would carry out investigations or carry out things without without informing the local police. So to our ability, we try to take precaution and do what we can, and use prudence and prayer and trust the Lord, and we just go as keep going as far as we can until we can't go any farther. That's all. Is it your sense that things are? I mean, you've you've acknowledged that it's not. It's simply not possible for you to be outside of the view altogether of the authorities locally. The local authorities know where you're at.、Uh, you maybe have even developed a, a relationship that's profitable with some of the local authorities for for your work. Do you have the sense that、um, that it's simply a matter of time before the before the meeting is is、um, threatened or broken up? Uh, yes, it's just a matter of time for me personally. I that's the, that's what I. I'm very、um, maybe I'm a, I'm very negative sometimes in my in my view, but in reality, I think it's just a matter of time. How long I don't know.、Uh, so, and if that happened, if one day, for example, the、uh, Religious Affairs Bureau came into our building or came into while we're having a meeting, and they would. Take as many people's identification, write down who who you are, what you are, what you're doing, and then and then they cordon off the the apartment and say nobody can meet here again. And they would get and before that happened, they would probably meet with the landlord and say get rid of those folks. But anyway, but if that happened, and then and once they got my name,、uh, they'd probably say okay, you have a.、Uh, You have two weeks to leave the country, or you have three days to leave the country. Whatever. For me personally, it would be, as you mentioned earlier, de- deportation. And as far as the local believers, 
unless they were causing trouble, they wouldn't be arrested, but their names would be taken down and, and that sort of thing. And then had, they'd have a, a record, but, uh, they'd just have to find a new place to meet and the brothers uh, would have to carry on without me. I wanted to ask you about the one child policy there in China. This is sort of related. Perhaps you have been treated a little bit differently than a Chinese national would have been treated in terms of the enforcement of the policy. You've got a Chinese wife and you have three children. So obviously you, you have, uh, you've exceeded the, 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 the limitations that are placed <laughs> upon a family in terms of the, the, the number of children that you're permitted to have. Did, was, was there any point at which that became an issue with the local authorities? And, and what do you know about the enforcement of that policy by local, by the local officials in the places where you've lived? Well, when our, when our second child was born, we were in a big city uh, at that time, a major city. And uh, the second child was born because it was a second child. My wife was pregnant. I was, I was asking them, could you tell us if it's a boy or girl? Because we just, you know, just want to prepare the right color clothes and that sort of thing. And uh, they said, no, we can't tell you. I said, what? We can't tell you. I said, I'm a foreigner. No problem. Just go ahead and tell me. Well, no, we can't tell you. And it infuriated me that they wouldn't tell, tell us if it's a boy or a girl. It turned out to be a girl. But they, it, the reason they couldn't tell me is because by law, they can't tell the parents if, it's a, if they do the ultrasound, if it's a boy or a girl, because in the past, many babies have been aborted uh, because they, the parents don't want a girl. And I said, no matter what, we're not going to do that. We just want to know, and they want to tell me. And so when my third child was born, uh, she, she was born in a smaller city in a small hospital, and we knew she was going to be a girl. Uh, so so but when she was born, we were still in the hospital. My wife was still in the hospital recovering. I got a call from a, a woman who was in authority. And she, I, she, I answered the phone, and she asked me if I, who, who I was, and I told her. And it's a Chinese name. And um, she said, uh, where do you work? I said, what? Uh, how many children do you have? I said, uh, this is my third child. What are you doing with all those children? And she started, she started, you know, tone of voice where like I'd done something really wrong. She wanted to know where I worked. She's asking me, what am I doing having that many children? And, and you asking me, I said, I started to, I started to lose patience and I started to say some things I shouldn't say. So it's none of your business. And anyway, I, then I handed the phone before I said, before I said uh, anything, I really shouldn't have said. I handed the phone to my wife. My wife explained it to her, and that. So I am under exception because I am a foreigner. So if we want to have ten kids, if we can afford to have ten kids, but in, in recent years, that's loosened up because the the authorities have realized how lopsided society is, and also in a few years. The younger, there's not enough younger people to support the older people. It's a real problem. Sure. The policy has created a population crisis, really. Yes. Any time man fools with something God designed, it, 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 it creates trouble. And so as a result, 
the past uh, two or three years, they allow that people can have two two children now. Well, what happens when a Chinese if a, if a Chinese couple has a third pregnancy and want and and it's their desire to take it to term? It, are you aware of forced of forced yes. abortions in in the country? Um, I don't personally know of any forced abortions. I know it hap- has happened, but I know of uh, I know of some. I have some friends who have uh, some Christian friends who have had uh, their third child. It depends on where you're at, who you know. A lot of it depends on what city you live in. Like I said, the city we're in is a smaller city, so things are a little bit loose. When his, because the problem is, if you have a third child, what if you if you don't have a, you get pressure to get rid of that child, and the pressure comes in the form of financial pressure. In other words, if you have a government job, then you're going to lose your job. If you or if you're, or if you don't have a government job, then you're, then you may be fined an incredible amount of money that the average person doesn't have, or, or maybe you won't be able to get identification for the child. If the child doesn't have an identification, then then they can't enroll in school. They they can't enroll in they can't. It'll be hard to function in society. So, this this brother he went in and tried to get identification. You know, tell him he needs. This, this, this for his, his wife's pregnant with the third. They asked him, what are you doing? How come you're having three children? Don't you already have two? He says, yeah. But his first two were girls. He said, I really wanted a boy, and this last one's a boy. And he said, oh, okay, no problem. And they let it slide. We've known people who've gone to Hong Kong to have the baby. And we've known the people, other people who have had a baby and then give it to a relative to raise Um it, different situations. We we know various situations. It's it sounds like it is going to become increasingly difficult for foreign missionaries to to work and minister in the country of China, particularly in the larger cities. As it becomes increasingly difficult for foreign missionaries to work in the country of China, what do you think can be done to continue to assist the Chinese church? If you got deported, no. you'd bring your fam- you'd bring your family back to the states, and and you'd continue to serve God. But what's your mindset about uh, about shifting gears? What do do you ever think about what you would do if you couldn't continue to function inside the country there? Very often, I think about what would I would do. I have right now. I have no idea. Certain ideas. Well, I shouldn't say I have no idea. Things come to my mind. Or for example, maybe we go to Taiwan, uh, or maybe we come back to the states and start a church here. But I don't know what God would have me to do. Put it that way. I don't know. There's different scenarios I've run through in my own mind, but I, I really don't know what we would do. Um, uh, come back here, get our bearings, and then figure out what the Lord would have us to do from then on. I, I other, you know, starting a church here, going to an, another, like I said, Taiwan, or it's just a matter of time before Taiwan. China takes Taiwan back as well. I know some folks don't like to hear that or believe, but that's just a matter of time. Um, so I don't know. I don't. I don't know specifically what I would do. Chinese, uh, the church in in general, they're lacking a lot of biblical materials. A lot of their written materials, study materials, are based upon uh, Calvinistic uh, theology. 
predestination, which falls in with Chinese culture. Chinese culture has something called yuanfen, or ming, which is fate and predestination stuff in it, and it just falls right. And also, you a lot of this, they're 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 lacking a lot of biblical materials. Also, about how to live the Christian life, biblical materials, practical things, not just theological, but practical. A lot of that. And things on the local church. You asked me earlier what the advantages and disadvantages of the house church. I, I think I mentioned some advantages. But the disadvantage of the house church is that um, anybody can have a house church who shouldn't be having a house church. And, you get, and the result is you, it's a disorganized mess. And no one, a lot of people don't have an idea of what a local church is, a biblical local church. And as a result, also, as a result of not having a strong biblical local church, the result is a weak spiritual uh, presence in the in the country as well. So, uh, written materials are are something that can be helped with uh, as far as folks who know the Chinese language. Brother Greg, I, I appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord. All these coming on twenty years of service in China. Appreciate you sitting down with me for the conversation today and any closing thoughts about, uh, about your, your work in China or something that you think our listeners should know about the state of the church there and ministering. As you see the government control in China, uh, you, it's hard to not mention politics to one degree or another. In China, we stay out of politics. We don't talk about politics in the church and we don't preach about this president this leader and we, we don't get into that stuff you read if a christian reads through uh their bible uh the especially the the epistles of paul or you get in there's no one there's no one talking about politics uh there's no railing upon these political leaders and Even that's really re- that's really remarkable, Greg. When you think about who was in power when some of this when some of that scripture was written, yes, really. And and so, it, but but to think so when we talk about the Communist Party, someone has to study where communism came from and the the thoughts behind communism, and you realize it's it's really straight. It's it's of Satan. Because Karl Marx, uh, Karl Marx was he was he he was against God. It's not he was indifferent toward. Yeah, I didn't. I don't believe that stuff. It was he was his mission was to destroy what things that God set up in a textbook. I have was teaching English one time at, at a school, and I was I got one of the hold of one of the textbooks of uh, is a university, and I was reading through things on. And Marxism, anyway, the Marxism ideology is to destroy. In, in his words, was destroy the traditional family and liberate the woman. Liberate the woman so she doesn't have to stay at home and take care of the kids. And the and the idea that the kids are part of the state. And when you get into the, get into that ideology, it's linked to the French rationalism, uh, Rousseau, and all of them. And then you get back to and, you, and it goes back all the way back to Plato. All that stuff—it's all worldly stuff—and then from and then com, Chinese communism is just Marxism with Chinese characteristics, as they say. And we don't 
oppose the Chinese government. We um, we just want to be we just want to carry out what God would have us to do. We know there has to be a government, and so we don't involve ourselves in politics. In the United States, you have the freedom. A lot of people have the freedom to do this, but they dwell upon this too much, because in the Bible, it's going a certain way regardless of your politics. It's had everything's headed in a certain direction. Some countries are going faster than others. And it's a privilege for us to serve the Lord in China. It's a privilege. God doesn't need me. He, sh he could get somebody much better, much more qualified than me. And I'm thankful for the privilege it is. And it's a blessing. The blessings outweigh the... Uh, the, the things that are not a blessing, the, the, the things that are difficult. And to serve the Lord in any capacity, whether a pastor, a missionary, or whether you're in church serving the Lord as a uh, going to work every day, uh, it co it'll cost everybody something to serve the Lord, to one, serve the Lord to one degree or another. I mean, if it, it costs you your time, your money, but David said that he wouldn't offer anything to the Lord if it didn't cost him something. And it, it just, it's just, but I have found whatever it costs, the Lord in the end always makes up more for it. Whatever you gave up, the Lord makes up more for it. And that's why I don't like to say I've given up anything. I hear people say given up. I haven't, I haven't given up anything. The Lord has blessed us very much Amen. so. Well, that's a great place to to finish the conversation. It's always worth it's always worthwhile to serve God. No regrets in serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll be we'll Amen. be thankful not only here but but hereafter for all of eternity as we worship Him. Thanks, Brother Greg, for for sitting down uh, for the conversation and for your service to the Lord in China. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you. We know that we're not to boast ourselves of tomorrow, not knowing what a day may bring forth. We're to work while it is day, seeing that the night cometh when no man can work. I hope the conversation today has helped you to have a better appreciation of the delicate balancing act that so many foreign workers must maintain between boldness and caution, zeal and prudence. I'm often reminded of the counsel which famed missionary to the New Hebrides, John Payton, gave to his native co-laborer as they furiously paddled their little vessel away from a company of pursuing cannibals. What are we to do, the native asked. Pray and ply your paddle, came the wise counsel of the Scottish missionary. And the counsel still holds. God expects us to do what we can, and we're to trust Him to do what we can't. It's true in the going, sending, praying, and giving of foreign missions. Hopefully we're all doing what we can and exercising faith in God through it all. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope the conversation has been informative and helpful. You can subscribe to this program wherever you receive your podcasts and feel free to invite others to tune in as well. I welcome your feedback. You can write to me, Brother Lee, at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.